Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. Lacrosse fans, what's going on? You found us once again here on a Tuesday. It's Lacrosse Classified. This is the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network, and this is episode number 67. My name is Jake Elliott. My partner is in Saskatoon. His name is Evan Schemenauer. Evan, it's family day here. We're recording on Monday. I'm in BC. You're in Saskatchewan. Uh, It's also family day there, and we're going to work a little family into the conversation here on episode 67 as well. Two great guests to go along with our conversation. Uh, Zach Higgins, 2-0 on the weekend for the Philadelphia Wings and playing some of the best goal that he has ever played, I dare say. Zach Higgins, Higgy, Tendy Bear will join us in about 40 minutes from now, and a man who had a sock trick, six, for the Toronto Rock on Saturday night, will join us here in about 20 minutes from now. Rob Hell, your first-timer on the program as well. I'm looking forward to both of these conversations, and looking forward to catching up with you as well, Evan. What's going on at Family Day back there in Saskatoon? It's actually a pretty somber day just because you know, Dorena's sick, so we've been dealing with. She's diabetic, so it's a, it's a it's a double whammy when she gets sick. So really didn't do much, but you know, we sat around this weekend, watched a lot of lacrosse. The kids loved it. Uh, some amazing performances. A top five goal of the year. Dylan Ward pulls off another save. Like I, I don't know how he does it. And let's be honest here: the two guests we got today. The number one goaltender in the league right now in both save percentage and goals against average. Nobody predicted it. Like nobody could have. We knew that Philly had made a step up getting Zach Higgins. Nobody could have predicted this. And then Rob Hellier tied for the lead in goals, but played two less games than Mitch Jones. You know, with a team that has been so banged up like the Rock. He's just put this team on his back. Absolutely, and said he hasn't had a sock trick since his knee injury, so he was pretty pumped up about that. We'll talk about it all with Robbie Hellier and Zach Higgins coming up, but first, let's get into it right now. Evan, uh, what else do we want to talk about here off the top? There was something else I had on my mind, and I can't think about what it is. Well, we're going to have to get into under review almost right away just because of the situation. Well, I think we leave that game. I think we leave that game to the last. Uh, Let's leave that one to the last, and then uh, we'll cover that off, and we'll kind of do that game as under review for our our final uh, game and who we had here. Does that sound good? Okay, let's do it. Okay, I'm struggling a little bit here. I got to tell you, Evan, uh, I – I uh, I started a new workout regimen today. I finally got back down underneath my Vegas weight uh, from two weeks ago. It took me two <laughs> weeks to burn off Vegas, and and my buddy Teddy gave me a new workout plan. And uh, I I barely I'm I'm still sweating as we speak right now, and and had a hard time like washing my face because I could barely get my arms over my 
my shoulders uh, in the shower previous to this. So uh, I'm a little little fatigued, but uh, fired up uh, to be doing lacrosse classified with you here today. I mean, I wish I could get your workout regimen going. I just, I don't know why I can't, but I'm down 18 pounds on this Noom diet. If you've, if you've ever seen uh, it on TV, it works. And that's just eating smart. It's what really it amounts to. It's a big combination of both. You get both going, Evan, uh, you'll really start to roll. Congratulations, 18 pounds, nothing to sneeze at there. Okay, so we're going to leave the first game of the weekend, week 12, uh, for last. So let's move along here to Vancouver at Toronto, Evan. And we both predicted a Toronto Rock victory in this one. That's uh, what happened. It was it was tough sledding there for Vancouver. The, the travel, I think, finally catching up to the Warriors. You think about the miles that they have logged here in the last month or so. And Toronto sitting pretty, waiting for him there at Scotiabank and, and took it to him 14-7 the final. Yeah, and Vancouver, the the unfortunate thing is, well, fortunate and unfortunate. Fortunate in that Mitch Jones has really taken this team and put it on his back. Now, the problem is, is that teams start to realize that Mitch Jones has taken this team and putting it on his back, and you start to adjust your defenses accordingly. Uh, a lot of shots from Toronto, a lot of shots getting through for Toronto, and it's stunning that with this offense as decimated as no Schreiber, no Jones, that they continue to produce goals like they are. It's it's absolutely stunning. I'm telling you, I, I'm feeling something with this Toronto team here. They they continue to impress me. I think they're getting better as the, the season goes along here. Like, I've seen steady improvement, and everybody's kind of falling into roles there in Toronto. And when everybody knows what their job is going into a game, it just – I don't know. It it makes everything the picture a little bit clearer, mm-hmm. and and I think that's and and Nick Rose. I mean, he's given that team a chance to win every single game, and and when you're a team going into a game like that, and you have the confidence that it's that's going to happen for your goaltender, then that, that can take you a long way. And what about Shallon Rogers having to play out both doors and you know what do you have five points on the night? Well, I don't think Shallon minds that one bit uh playing a little o playing a little d i i mean get him out there i don't what tell me while we move on to the next game what his floor time average is because i think he's one of the he's like lyle thompson like i think he could just stay out there as long as he wanted and and not get tired well okay if you believe sports logic it says just 1646 that can't be right i do not believe that I cannot believe that. I will not believe that. And, uh, yeah, let's move along then. Georgia waiting for the New York Riptide. This was a a bit of a revenge game here, Evan. And, again, probably a pretty predictable scoreline here. Georgia in convincing fashion over New York. St. Jackson with six assists. Lyle Thompson first star in this game. And I, and I just look at Georgia, and I, and I think to myself, here they come. Because I, not the start that they were looking for out of the gates there for, for the Swarm, but I think this is a veteran-laden team that's been together for a long time. They know what it takes to get through a season, where they need to be at the end of the year. And I think this is a team, and, and Ed Como has been around long enough where I think he's going to get these guys peaking at the right time. And they're just starting to kind of climb the hill right now. Now, the one thing that 
New York has done for the last several games is they focused in on the top scorer, double teamed him all night, and made everybody else beat him. The problem is when you play the Georgia Swarm, you who do you double team? You double team Lyle, leave Shane Jackson open. You, you don't have much of a choice. And the thing was is that when you look at the stats in this game, Jackson didn't score. He had six assists, but everybody else, I think it was um, four points or under. So it was a lot of ball distribution. Connor Kelly continues to impress, though, too. You know, that's one bright spot for the Riptide at this stage. Yeah, and and they got production, excuse me, they got production in transition as well. And again, solid goaltending there for the Swarm. And and they exact a little revenge on those Riptide who – beat Georgia in New York for their only win of the season. So we both had Toronto to beat Vancouver. We both had Georgia to beat the Riptide. We're both 2-0. and Moving along, Philadelphia in Buffalo. This was kind of a wacky game here, Evan. A low-scoring affair between the Bandits and the Wings. We got news coming down that Chase Fraser, Noseworthy, and one Dane Smith were not going to play in this game just prior to face-off, and we were all kind of going, can we change our pick? Like, are we allowed to change our pick right now? But they were locked in, Evan, and uh, Philly stuns Buffalo here 7-6. Yeah, that's everybody's reaction. Can can I change my pick? Uh, Without Dane Smith, without Chase Frazier, the Frazier, i got to keep getting that right. But without those two, there just wasn't enough production. And when you only allow seven, you've got to expect your offense to pull through for you. Wasn't the case, but, you know, Zach Hagan's just continues and continues to impress. You know, six goals on 50 shots. That is, now if I do the math, 880. And it you just, just do that in your head right there? Amazing. You just did that in your head right there, Evan? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty impressive stuff. I gotta give it to you. Uh so we both had Buffalo in that one and the wings come out on top. So two and one on the week so far. Let's travel to Denver in the mile high city, a, a rematch of sorts from the Sin City showdown, Evan. San Diego at Colorado and the recipe here for the Mammoth working to perfection once again. Get to 10, hold the team under 10. I didn't see this one coming. You had Colorado, I had San Diego, and 10-7 the final in this one. Some big-time adjustments made here by Andrew McBride and Pat Coyle to kind of stymie this San Diego offense that put up 17 in Vegas but only managed 7 in Colorado. Well, and then one of the differences, too, is that you know, Dylan Ward had an off night in Vegas, and in this game, he was just tuned in. And once again, if you watch that one save, he once again just stuns the guy back door, wide open cage. And he made that one look easier than, than the yeah. one he did in, in Saskatchewan. But, like a, casual, but 50, casual, 59, lazy Ward, right? hashtag. Like 52 of 59, the defense did their job. Colorado, though, let's put it this way. They're just not getting the shots on net. Sure, they got this one, but here's the thing. They, Seals made one massive mistake. We all thought it was mm. a big mistake pregame mm. in starting Frank Shiliano when you had Nick DeMood, who was doing amazingly in net. 
Frankie lets in, what was it, eight right away. Demood in, what, 25 minutes allows one. Yeah, you, so you got to wonder. I think it's pretty clear that there's a new starter in Diego. You got to wonder whether he's second. I, like, I, I honestly, I don't. I don't mind the decision going back to Frankie there and, and give him a shot. He's your number one guy or was your number one guy. He was your first pick in the expansion draft, and I think you owed him that start. You don't. You didn't want to take away his job because of an injury, so you give him that start. And he, was, like, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't great, but... Oh, he was going down. Yeah, like a I mean, but that's that's what Frankie does. That's what Frankie does, and he's so big he can still protect the upper part of the net. But that's kind of his default, right? When when he starts to get in a little bit of trouble, he starts to drop, and and Colorado was all over that. But I, man, like this Nick Demood, like, what do you say, man? You gotta go to him this weekend. Like, you can't not start him after coming into the game and allowing one goal. You know, you have to go with him. He's the hot hand right now. And he's actually tied with Zach Higgins in goals against average at 876. Pretty impressive. If if you've got an 876 goaltender, you're you're starting him. You have to. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get uh, Mr. Daymood on on the program soon uh, with Mr. Delicious, maybe. Daymood and Delicious, Evan. Uh, Two more games to go. Philadelphia on the Sunday after that win in Buffalo takes the bus ride to the Mohegan Sun Casino. And you didn't think the Wings could get this done, Evan. I did. Uh, week six winner, yours truly, picked the Philadelphia Wings in this game. 14, they jumped out to a 6 nothing lead. And then New England kind of woke up. And this was a great lacrosse game right down to the kind of final few minutes as Philadelphia pulls away 14-11 the final. Wings go 2-0 and on the weekend. You know, when you watch this game back, it was a 6-1 at one stage, and then it looked like Philly was starting to run out of gas. And when you have a seven-hour bus ride between games and not even a full 24 hours in between games, wouldn't have been surprised if they had lost that game in the end. But they found another gear in the fourth. They pull it off, and it's a massive win because not only was, is it a two-game swing in their division, but they needed that win to stay alive in the tiebreak with New England. So, you know, critical, critical win. And here's the crazy thing. Philly would be the number two seed if the playoffs started today. We, I don't know how many people even conceived of them making the playoffs. This thing's just on fire. It's honestly, it's it's not a fluke anymore, right? Like, you kind of wondered, okay, are they getting some easy wins here to start the year? Rambo putting up six. Evan, this guy's figuring out. If he hasn't figured, he's he's real close to, to being a premier player in this league. Like, Tuaraton winner, Maryland NCAA champion, all the rest of it. PLL playoff MVP, leading scorer, and now he's getting it done in the National Lacrosse League. Puts up six against the Black Wolves, and, and I – Rambo's not slowing down anytime soon. He still hasn't fully figured out the box game. That's the crazy part. When he fully figures it out, look out. And he was what? He was a fourth round pick and then an expansion draft pickup. You know, they weren't even looking at him because of his lack of box experience. It's one of these guys that you couldn't have passed up, but a lot of people did. Yeah, he's a gamer. No question about it. So... What are we here, Evan? We're both two and oh, two and one, both two and two, two and okay. What do we got? Uh, so you were 
two and no, you were three and two we're at both that three point. Three and two at this stage. Yes. Uh, yeah. One game to go, and it was the first game of the weekend. We're working our way kind of backwards here because this. This, Evan, was the game of the week and maybe the game of the year, quite frankly. What a wild scene in Halifax. After the third quarter here, the Saskatchewan Rush were up 13-7 to over the Thunderbirds. And you're thinking, cruise control time. The Rush are going to coast this one home. Hand Halifax their first loss at home in their franchise history. Great crowd of about 9K there. Uh, ready to go home, disappointed, and then all of a sudden the T-Birds woke up. They outscore Saskatchewan 8-2 to two in the fourth quarter and send this thing to overtime and all sorts of wackiness happening late in regulation in overtime. This, this game was spectacular from start to finish. Well, and think about, actually, this game broke a record for largest comeback ever. It was 12-3 with five minutes to go in the third quarter. This should have been over. I had I had literally put it onto a, a laptop at that stage. I was watching the Philly-Buffalo game thinking, okay, this is over. And all of a sudden it's 14-8, 14-10, 14-11. I'm stunned that Derek Keenan at one stage didn't just burn his time out, get guys organized, and try and pull this off. But we'll get into it under review. Yes, we will. How many crazy calls there were in that final quarter? Okay, quarter and overtime. Yeah, I, I may, maybe like a, a quick Kirk for Adam shoot pull, get him back in there, just kind of stem the tide a little bit. It was like you could see the snowball starting to roll, and and the rush just couldn't stop it. And man, my heart was pounding watching that game, Evan. Like I, I haven't felt like that just kind of like helpless watching a game for a long, long time. Um, Rush end up winning this thing sixteen fifteen, but previous to that, all sorts of craziness. Two goals taken back in overtime due to challenges. Some some weird kind of rulings in this game as well. So, with all that being said. Let's go under review. It's time for Under Review, presented by G. Wilson Construction. Each week, Jake and Evan answer a listener's question or break down an unusual call that happened in a game. The challenge flag has been thrown, so now it's time to take the matter under review. Under review brought to you by our good friends at G. Wilson Construction. Fans, especially you young bucks out there listening to Lacrosse Classified, you're located in the lower mainland looking for a job or possibly a new career. Why not join forces with G. Wilson Construction? Start a career today, whether you're a laborer, an experienced journeyman, whatever the case is. Go to GWilsonConstruction.com, find the Work With Us tab in the top right corner, follow the steps, upload your resume, and who knows, you may be off to a nice career in construction. Now, Saskatchewan wins this game 16-15, to and before we get into under review, I want to play you the call here from Pete Dalladay and Patty Gregoire on BR Live, courtesy of the National Lacrosse League, on the overtime goal here from the Hammer, Mike Messenger. Shot that I play, they score! 
Saskatchewan with a 16-15 victory. If this one will count, we've already had two reviews. From first look, I think this one's going to finally put the nail in the coffin in this game. So as you heard right there, Mike Messenger on the setup from Chris Corbiel gets the winner. They had to review this one, too, as it was a, a crease-diving air goal from, from Mess. But, Evan, let's go back here. Walk me through this. I mean, there were some weird, weird calls in this. Uh, one, I want to say it kind of started with the timeout Ryan Dilks took with about a minute and a half to go deep in his own end. So they don't reset the shot clock, but they do reset the eight-second count to get it across center, and I I don't think that was right, was it? I've been trying to find the rule on that one. I don't believe it was correct either. Todd LeBranch probably knows a lot more of the rule book than I do, but yeah, it was what happened there. Of course, Dilf gets the, gets the ball. He's pretty much pinned in. They call a timeout. Should have been six seconds to get it across. In the end, did it matter? Not really, because Halifax didn't press the next possession, but a little unusual on that one, because they did have the shot clock at 28. Yeah, so, I mean, tomato-tomato really didn't didn't factor into to the play, but we we go down the stretch here, and, and where do you want to start? Is it the, the Cody Jameson? Well, let's, let's go even into the dying seconds right. of overtime, or of regulation. Go for it. Halifax hits the crossbar with, like, what, two seconds to go. What was missed, and Pat Gregoire caught this, it was that Jeff Cornwall's stick clearly high sticks the shooter at this point. Um, now, why didn't they catch it? The, both low side officials clearly looking at the net, wondering if the ball goes in the net. And that's where they're trained to look. So the fact that that one got missed, probably not un, not the worst thing in the world. But, of course, Halifax would have had a power play. And with Jake Weathers as good as he is, they would have had the first possession of overtime five on four. So a bit of a miss there for Halifax. Yeah. I, I for sure, I, and but I, you know, I, I look at it like that. That can happen at any point of the game. Both teams probably had some calls that were missed. Both teams probably had a couple calls go against them that they didn't think were calls. So I, I know it comes at a crucial part of the game there, but that's lacrosse. Well, now we'll get into the I guess the the first goal of overtime. Uh, so Cody Jameson scores the first non-goal, Evan. The first non-goal, yeah. And now I, I mean, they're celebrating. I hear it clearly as day that I can hear the shot clock going before Jameson shoots. So I was waiting for the review to happen. It was pretty clear cut on the review, and luckily Halifax has a perfect camera angle on the net and on the shot clock that they could see the ball was still in Jameson's stick at the point it hits zero. So... The goal's disallowed. Now, but what happens immediately, and this is where NLL Wired was quite good, was that Jameson is arguing with Todd LeBranch about getting held. And, yeah, he absolutely got wrapped up big time. What LeBranch told him, and this is kind of on the high side official for not seeing this. It's his job on this one. But what LeBranch told him basically is he saw the hole on the replay. But as we discussed in last week's under review, you cannot call a penalty after you see it on a replay. It's only the goal that can be reviewed. 
Right. So the first goal scored or by Jameson scored after the shot clock expired. Jameson's looking for a penalty call because he did take one up in the chops, even though he scored the goal. Didn't count. Penalty doesn't happen. We continue on in overtime. Let's move along to the Ben McIntosh no goal. This is the one that confused fans. So if you got the rule book out, look at rule 67. What confused the fans also confused Chris Corbeil. And remember on the group chat, I'm sitting there's like, they better look at this one because, and you know, you looked at the, at the shot. He's clearly out of the crease on the shot. But what I was telling everybody, no, look at, look at him before he gets that pass. Well, what happens is the ball ricochets behind the net from the right side to the left side. Matt Hossick's on the other side, flicks it up off the glass. McIntosh catches it on the other side and buries it. But the problem was, and this is what, you know, great job on the review. When McIntosh was cutting across the floor, he stepped in the crease. Now, the argument Chris Corbeil had was that Matt Hossick was the first to touch the ball afterwards. Rule 67, two points to that. Is, okay, did, was he the next to touch it? But that doesn't matter. He also, if you read further down the rule book, he McIntosh cannot be the first to receive the pass. So the flick pass from Hossick to McIntosh, he can't receive it. That's why it's no goal. But if you watch that play again, Evan, so McIntosh cuts through the crease. He's out of the crease. Hossick touches the ball. So McIntosh can't be the next guy to touch the ball, correct? He also cannot receive the next pass. Okay, so Withers touches that ball on the other side of the crease out of Hossick's stick. It's not a clear possession, but Withers touches that ball. And that's where my complaint is. And I I like I don't know. I, I think Chris Corbeil's got a case here. If McIntosh is out of the crease and Hossick touches the ball, then McIntosh is not the first to touch. But you're saying but he can't. It's first to touch, and he cannot receive the next pass. Okay. And, and Even if Withers touched that ball? Uh, the pass from the, the pass from Hossick to McIntosh. But I think, but I think Withers touches the ball before Hossick passes to McIntosh. Like, he doesn't come up with it cleanly, but he makes contact with it. I got, I got to go watch this again, and I, and I probably should have did that right before I did this, but... I don't know. It was, it was a bit of a wacky one, man. Like it, and and again, Todd, like we actually tried to get Todd on this week. It didn't happen. We'll, we'll try and get him on again in the future. But he obviously knows the rule book much better than I do, and, and probably somewhat better than you do, Evan. And you just got to put confidence in him that he did make the right call. But it it was a confusing one for sure. Yeah, and I mean that overtime was nuts. Like there were hit posts, there were big saves. You know, and Todd said Todd said that that was the first time that he had ever had to call back two goals in overtime. That was the first time for him. It might be a first period for anybody. You know, it you you don't expect it to happen. Good thing we had some good camera angles because let's be honest, in the Philly New England game, we saw what bad camera angles can do, and you had Ian Garrison mic'd up. And he said, can you zoom in on this? No, we can't. And he, he got two inconclusive calls. I think Garrison got 
the Matt Rambo goal late in the game wrong. I think I saw a toe on the crease line, mm-hmm. but you know, that's, you know, the bad cameras finally came back to bite new England in the end. Yeah, I guess, you know, you, you, you win some, you lose some. And I like to kind of think that those things all kind of even out in the end. And uh, maybe that's, that's what happened there. But, you know, uh, kudos to the to the Halifax production guys for for getting it all right and having the angles and and for Todd uh, and his crew getting those calls right because that was not an easy game to officiate and and if nothing else, like Mark Matthews scored just an amazing goal, swims Barclay and then crosses over, kind of shovels one on the bounce, skips it past Dubinsky, and then truck sticks Robinson at the end of it. And he got interviewed at the end of that game by by Dina Jackson. He's like, yeah, you know, I just kind of shot it and got lucky. Like, he scored the goal of the year and was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's just like. He's, he's had a few of those similar shots before. Yeah, he did win the world championships. He kind of scored like that too. But it was a, it was an incredible, incredible goal, incredible game. And if nothing else there, Evan, like Halifax was a rockin' that night. And I guarantee you, every single one of those 9,000-plus fans that were there are going to go tell one of their friends about the time that they had at the Thunderbirds game. And that's the way franchises are born. Like, people mm-hmm. are going to hear about that game, and they're going to have FOMO, and they're going to show up to the next one. And even though they lost 16-15 in a, in a thrilling game, in a game that I picked Saskatchewan, Evan, and you from Saskatoon people picked against the Rush. He picked the Thunderbirds and picked them wrong, I might add. Uh, Rush win that one. I go 4-2 and two on the weekend. You go 3-3. Three and three. Suddenly, the lead is down to 2 and on top of that, Evan, our good friend David Salisbury comes in with the big W here for week 12 and is atop the who you got standings overall through 12 weeks of action. Congratulations, David. <laughs> yeah, and my daughter, Dorena, is tied for fifth. Go figure she's doing two better games than me. <sighs> David actually won our very first Stampede Tack contest. Now, it wasn't the who you got. It was the Udre- uh you dressed up in uh, oh, cowboy yeah. gear, right? Photo contest, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So, Ras Rax. I don't know what that's all about. That's his Twitter handle. But uh, congratulations, David. Evan will be sending you an email. You'll uh, get the information, and you'll get your prize sent out to you, courtesy of Stampede Tech and Western Wear. That was G Wilson Constructions under review. That was a big first quarter there as well. We got to get to break, Evan. And on the other side. We got the sock trick, man. Rob Hellier from the Toronto Rock will join us here on episode 67 of Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Dane Dolby from the Calgary Roughnecks. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Lax Class here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Jake Elliott, Evan Scheminar with you. Episode 67 into the second quarter. You just heard 
from our good friends at Associated Labels and Packaging, where they create first impressions, family-owned, over 30 years of experience, associated-labels.com or at Associated LP, as in labels and packages. Take your company's labels and packages to the next level and join up with Associated Labels and Packaging for all your labels and packaging needs. Joined now by number 10 in your Toronto Rock program. He had six goals on Saturday night there at Scotiabank. It's Rob Hellier on the program. Rob, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, guys. appreciate it. Our pleasure, man. Uh, it looks like you're trying to FaceTime me right now, so I'm just going to decline that because we're on a podcast yeah. here and nobody's going to see us uh, if we're FaceTime, and that'd just be kind of weird, man. So I'm going to decline that, but we're going to have a conversation okay. here. <laughs> um, <laughs> my phone's ever since I did the recent update, my phone's been going oh, really? crazy, glitching. Oh, so that's good to know. Maybe I'll avoid doing that. You never yeah, know yeah. what those hold, hold off updates. on that. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Uh, 12 and 1 are the Toronto Rock in their last 13 games against the Vancouver franchise. You guys love playing Vancouver and especially you and I and I saw an interview with you I think it was right after post game about your six goals and you mentioned that you hadn't had a sock trick since the knee injury that had to feel pretty good. Yeah, it definitely did. Um I was I was kind of worried at the start of the game. Sometimes you just get a feeling that uh you know things aren't aren't going your way and sometimes the ball's not dropping as much as you'd like but uh, obviously it turned out turned out for the better in the end but um ultimately just a really good team win and everyone came to play and uh, the result speaks for itself yeah and tell me about like coming back off this injury i mean it's been a while now rob but it's a serious thing to try and come back from and you are a guy that really relies on on his lateral cuts and his quick movements in that first step how long did it take you before you felt a hundred percent and full confidence in that knee? Um, no, it definitely takes a lot longer than I ever imagined. Um, probably in the summer league this year. Yeah. So that would have been, I think, I think I tore it in 2016 in the summer. So basically three years it took me to get back. <laughs> yeah. Holy, you know. Yeah. That's, like I, that's I, a long time. Yeah, like strength-wise and everything, I was probably there earlier than that. It's just mentally getting everything back to where you want it to and and just trusting yourself and knowing what you can do again. So probably this summer playing in Oakville, um, you know, I kind of felt back to myself and, and playing the way I wanted to. And then obviously this year with, with Toronto, everything's, everything's starting well. So, yeah. Now, you have a few big injuries up front no Adam Jones at all at this season. Tom Schreiber goes down. You know, there could have been a hundred excuses as to why there'd be less production out of this offense. But how did the dynamic change? Because you guys not only, you know, kept it going, you've increased your output every game. Yeah, I think that's just a testament to everyone that's still in the lineup, right? We're really well balanced up there. Obviously, having having Doss up there is huge. Him coming in this year, and then you bring Challen up from the back end, and uh, you know he doesn't skip a beat. You, you don't really get that in this league too much. Bringing a a guy, you know, more known for defensive end, but obviously everyone knows he's an amazing transition player, winning the transition player of the year. But um, when he just steps in and plays offense as easy as he does, it makes things pretty easy for us. Speaking with Rob Hellier, the Toronto Rock, and, and you mentioned 
the dangerous one, Dan Dawson, Rob, and, and I don't know if you've ever had a chance to play with Dan before. I'm, I'm sure you've played against him and, and watched him play for a long time. But what kind of impact has he had on your game on the floor? And then maybe what kind of impact has he had on the team as a whole in the dressing room? Yeah, I've uh, played against him a lot, especially when he was in Rochester. And he always he always burned us for three or four a night when he was when he was playing against us. He loved playing against Toronto when he was in Rochester. So it's nice having him on our side now. But uh, I think, you know, everyone, everyone sees his on-floor abilities and how good he is but just how calm he is in the room and um you know that veteran presence he's been in the league for i don't know 18 19 years something like that (laughs) so um yeah it's it's great to have him around he's uh he's obviously a great person and and just you know and even dropped the myths this week (laughs) he's pretty pretty good at it too Not bad, eh? Like, how about that for a 20-year vet taking on Parker? Oh, I love and, it. and just, like, I he pumped it. him. Like, he pumped him. Yeah, there was a bit of a size mismatch there, but, I mean, I think if you watch the game, everyone saw the, the hit before that um, led to that fight, and and Doss, you know, took matters into his own hands, and that's just, a, you know, Doss being Doss and, and being the leader that he is. Yeah, we, we started to kind of reminisce a little bit, and uh, somebody in our chat group, like, dug up the, the tape of Doss and – giving it to to the thrill bill o'brien i did see that i saw that that's awesome oh so good so good uh speaking with rob hellier here and and toronto now six and two four and one there at scotia bank and this it looks like to me from from watching from the outside here rob the crowds are starting to get bigger there in toronto and and it's a place that you guys are really thriving at and and that's going to be important as the season moves along that home floor advantage how important is yeah. that crowd to you guys and, and playing playing in, in your home confines? Well, it's huge. I mean, especially, you know, most of our team is from the East Coast, right? So we always have a lot of friends and family in the crowd, which is a huge benefit. It's always nice playing in front of, you know, familiar faces. But then, you know, when we go on a bit of a run and they get loud, it's anybody with a, you know, a good home crowd will tell you it's there's nothing like it when the, when the fans are behind you and, and they're chanting and, you know, and getting loud every time you get a, a big save or a nice goal. So it helps a ton and uh, makes it makes it easy to come to the rink and get excited to play. Time for the league and league league goals are at the moment for 26. You got 10 games to go. You're on track for 58. Is that magic number 50 in, in your head at all? Is it something you want to try and achieve this year? It'd be nice. Um, you know, the cliche is the only thing that matters is wins, but um, I think in order for, you know, us to be successful, my job is to put the ball in the net. So, you know, if I can, if I can score as many as possible each game, you know, and help the team win, that's, it's only going to benefit, you know, the group as a whole. So ultimately I'm just trying to do what I can on the floor to, to help us win and put the ball in the back of the net and, and find the open guys. But yeah, like, if anybody tells you that they're not excited to score 50 goals, they're lying to you. So it'd be pretty cool. A couple more minutes here with Toronto Rock forward Rob Hellier on Lacrosse Classified. Uh, Halifax on the horizon this weekend, Rob. And, and I don't know if you've ever had a chance to get back to the Atlantic Maritimes or not, but watching on online and especially last week, that game against Saskatchewan, a wild one. But that crowd was into it. That building was electric. Uh, have you been to Halifax before? And how how forward are you looking to, to making the trip? 
I haven't actually. My parents were out there a couple summers ago, and they said it was absolutely incredible. So I'm really looking forward to it, and they look like they have a great fan base out there. You know, something similar to Saskatchewan. I don't know if it's quite as rowdy, but we'll see. We'll have, uh, you know, a taste of that this weekend. But, uh, you know, really excited to get out there. I've always wanted to be in, be on the East Coast and check it out. So to be able to go out and, and play a game and hopefully, you know, get a big win and celebrate and see the city a little bit be, uh, you know, a good ending for us. And the last one I'll ask you here, and I know the summertime is, is off the horizon, but you did spend a little time out in my neck of the woods here in BC playing for the Victoria Shamrocks. I know you, you've you been with the Oakville Rock for a while now too. Do you have an idea on, on what the future is uh, for the summer season coming up? No, I don't. Um, I wish I could tell you an answer, but I've been asked by a few people and I still I still really don't know. Um, my wife and I are trying or tossing around a few ideas, but um, – yeah, right now the focus is Toronto and, and doing whatever we can to win a championship here. And and then, uh, you know, summer, summer league will take care of itself. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I can't remember who we were talking to last week, Evan, about Hellier and Orangeville and them, like, going to your house and saying, like, you were, like, 18 <laughs> years old and, and you and your wife, yeah. like, who was that? Who was I talking to last week? <laughs> I don't know who that would have been. I guess we had Mitch Jones on our team maybe, that year. Yeah, maybe that was it. He was saying, like, we're like, oh, what'd you do in Orangeville? And he's like, well, you know, he's like, Hellier had his own house when he was, like, 18 years old, and we used to just go party over there. Yeah, my wife and I, we had uh, we had our own place there. Well, she was my girlfriend at the time, but, yeah, I think I was 19. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, fourth year in junior, had my own house. So that was normally where we ended up after games. We Not had a lot bad. of fun at that place. Not bad. All right, man. Well, uh, enjoy a milk or two during the week. Good luck in Halifax, and uh, appreciate you coming on Bags Class, man. Uh, nice job, and hopefully we can do this again. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Rob Hellier, number 10 for your Toronto Rock. And, and Evan, a former 50-goal man in this league and on pace again to – to maybe reach that plateau once again. And you heard him like it took what the better part of three years to not just get the, the physical side back, but to get the mental that he believed that his leg was going to hold up for him. Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate issue, right? Is, you know, anytime you're, you're cutting and it's a little bit of pain because even after a year, there's still some pain left in there. It takes time. And now that he's got his confidence and I, you know what, Without Shriver, without Jones, you're a little more reliant on him now to put the ball in the net, and it's working. Yeah, I think, I mean, sometimes you'll see that, Evan, where there's just not enough ball to go around for an offense, and when you can lean on one guy or count on some guys really, they they embrace that. You know what I mean? They want that on their shoulders. They want to be like Callum Crawford comes to mind as a guy like, he wants to be the guy to put up 10 a night and he's okay with being relied on to do that. And I'm not saying that's the case in Toronto, but Rob Hellier to me seems like a guy that's just fine carrying the load for the Toronto offense. If that's what needs to happen. Right. And, and the he's FaceTiming nice me again. Here. <laughs> that's the third time. He's really got some phone issues going on. right now. Yeah. Um, but that, that's the nice thing about the addition of Dawson, right? And, Toronto was missing somebody that would crash and bang in the middle for a long time. Now with Dawson being able to crash and bang, 
Hellier can do what he does best. Let's, you know, rip one from about 15 feet. Yeah, and I'm not saying they're a better team with without Tom Schreiber because that would just be stupid to say, but I don't know if it's it's just different without him in there and and maybe it maybe the offense just works a little bit differently when when Superman's not in there or Captain America, I should say. And perhaps that's the case. Like we saw at the beginning of the year, they were having troubles figuring it out. But the second Shriver's available, you're putting them back in there because you want Chellen Rogers to go back and do what he does best. Yeah, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Tom's a good player. So is Rob Hellier. That was a good conversation. And now we've got to take a break here, Evan, because on the other side, we're going to talk to Tendy Bear. 2-0 and on the weekend. Top goaltender in the National Lacrosse League. Also, Team Israel's starting goaltender, Zach Higgins on the other side. This is episode 67 of Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. Hey, this is Dan Richardson, GM of the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Growing the game, one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lax Class here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Jake Kelly with you. You just heard from our good friends at the Vancouver Warriors not successful over the weekend, but playing much better lacrosse are those Vancouver Warriors. They will be back in action on the 29th of February for country night. I will be in Saskatoon. I'm unfortunately going to miss this game, but they're taking on the Georgia Swarm. Big country down there in uh, Georgia. Lots of cowboys. Grab your cowboy hat, your cowboy boots. Do that from Stampede Tack and Western Wear, of course. That should go without seeing. But grab your boot, grab your hats, and then hop on your horse. Ride down to Rogers Arena and watch the hometown Warriors take on those southern boys, the Georgia Swarm. Uh, you get an opportunity to ride a mechanical bull. There's a Wild West dodgeball tournament going on. Performances from Karen Lee Batten, Hillside Outlaws, and Cadu, and a post-game concert by Sean Austin. I don't know what more you want. Uh, VancouverWarriors.com. Or give them a shout and get your tickets. They start at $19.95, and you're not going to find a better deal in town for the amount of entertainment you get for 20 bucks and then on top of that you got the cheap beer the cheap food the ch- all of it 20 bucks vancouver warriors f- february the 29th country night to uh, shine up your boots jake elliott uh, now joined it's family day we're recording here on family day so evan has convinced me to allow this to happen. I hope it goes well. We have no idea. I, I got confidence in you, my man. I'm going to welcome Evan's son, Vasily, to the podcast. Vasily, how's it going, dude? Good. Good. Uh, man, yeah. Uh, happy family day, man. What do what you been up to today? You know, just normal stuff. Um, practicing lacrosse. There you go. That's all I wanted to hear, Vasily. Stop right there. 
That's all I wanted to hear. I'm glad you're practicing lacrosse on family day, as you should. Now, Evan says you have a rather intelligent question for our next guest, who happens to be the goaltender for the Philadelphia Wings in one tendy bear. It's Zach Higgins on the program. Zach, thanks for doing this. Happy family day, and uh, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Happy family to you, and uh, I'm really happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. All right, Vasily, Zach is on the line. Here you go. Hey, Zach, I got a question for you. Yeah, shoot um, away. Losing against the New England Black Wolves 8-7 for the first game this season, how does it feel to have revenge um, like the game this weekend to the New England Black Wolves? Yeah, it was definitely a big win for the team uh, coming off the tough loss with maybe a bit of controversy with uh, some camera just angles. Just a little bit, just a little <laughs> controversy. There you go. That's what the people were saying, I think. So, But, I mean, it was a good win coming off the, the win in Buffalo and to come back 22 hours later as a group there collectively and put together, I think, pretty good four quarters for uh, each and every one of us and uh, to get a win on the road again, a divisional rival, that was a, that was a big, big win for us last Appreciate you asking that question, Vasily. Uh, you can turn it back over to to Evan and, and Zach. Already got it. Okay, there he is. Uh, not bad. Not bad. There, a little practice uh, will go a long way in, uh, for Vasily there, Evan. So we can you can work on that. I know he's got the junior reporter gig coming up, so that'll be exciting as well. Uh, Zach, you mentioned it that the quick turnaround on the weekend, and and we can go back to the controversy if you want to talk about that one. But I, like I honestly, I think you guys have put that long in the rearview mirror now, and and it's full steam ahead here for these wings. I wasn't confident uh, in you uh, on the Saturday game. I, I got to admit, I, I picked the Bandits in that one, and but not knowing that Dane and Chase and a couple other guys weren't going to be in the lineup, so uh, that's what it is. But still. To hold the Bandits to six, a super impressive game. And this is something that you've been, I mean, you just continue to do it. So people, I think, that might not have been full believers in Zach Higgins are on board now. Like, tell me, this is like the longest-winded question ever. What <laughs> What has been the tipping point for you? You've had some opportunities with Minnesota, a little sprint there in, in, in Calgary, uh, some chances in Buffalo What's been the tipping point coming into Philadelphia? Is it the team in front of you? Have you made an adjustment in your game? Is it maturity? You tell me. I think kind of maybe a bit of all of the above. I mean, coming, uh, having lots of experience traveling around to a bunch of different teams now. And I think kind of just settling in a bit, being more mature as I came into Buffalo a few years ago and getting to fit in with the guys on the guys around on that team. And I think I kind of just getting to sit with Vino last year and just kind of the run we had. I think this kind of just builds a internal confidence in you, even if you're a backup or whatnot, you just kind of, you get to grow off everyone else, all the success from the team. And I think I kind of wanted to bring that into Philadelphia this summer where there's been a great group of guys. They built a pretty incredible culture last year. And you could sense that even being a visitor team, just the way they played and how many close battles they had. You can just tell that, the culture they built from that season one into this year was going to translate. And I think that really helped coming in with a great group of guys that were extremely welcoming and we're kind of all on the same page right now. We're just pushing towards the same goals. And, and I think that's kind of been a, some good success I've had where I've got to just join into a great group. Yeah. And, and sorry, Evan, I, I'm going to continue on here because I, 
like we were together on what was it 2012 i want to say in in minnesota zach and i can just tell like in your voice and the way you're talking and the answers that you're giving like when we were in minnesota together i might have said like 10 words to you in, in the entire year you were very <laughs> quiet and uh, and i'll just say like you were a pretty shy guy and didn't really put yourself out yep. there a whole lot but now i'm talking to zach higgins six seven years later here and you're like almost like a completely different guy. Like I can just hear the confidence in your voice and that really has seem seemingly translated into your game. Yeah. And I mean, when I remember coming in with Minnesota, it's, it was meeting a lot of new people. And I think I kind of, I grew up as an only child. So I think that kind of translated a little bit into keeping my guard up a, a little, keep my guard up a little and trying to grow into a team where it was something new to me and trying to experience playing at the NLL is, difficult enough and putting pressure on myself uh that way as well just maybe it affected my it gave me more into my shyness and it did let me express myself as well as i would hope and uh, i think as i just kind of getting older here that's just kind of something i've grown into i've gotten better at and i think that's definitely translated into why i've grown into this group here with philadelphia and i mean when you get it's a great group of guys from top to bottom here. It's been awesome hanging out with them every weekend. And it's, it, I always look forward to traveling. Now, Philadelphia, you mentioned it before. Last year, lost a lot of one-goal games, blew a lot of fourth-quarter leads. This year, those one-goal losses have turned into three, four-goal wins. And uh, you got to take a lot of credit for that. But what is it about this team now? Is it belief? Is it experience playing with one another? Is it the Americans learning the game better? What is it? that has changed this team into a first place team in your division right now? Uh, I think it's just confidence from everyone. So you get last year, there was a lot of close battles that you see, like even everyone noticed that every time you're going to play Philadelphia last year, it was going to be a battle. It wasn't going to be, you know, they're an expansion team. They were going to give you everything they got. And it was going to be a good fight for the end of the whistle there. Um, and coming into this year, I think everyone's kind of taken that next step as you come along in the NLL, is what I've learned now eight years here. Each year you kind of grow and you get more experience and you kind of get more comfortable with the roles you play and understand your game. And I think that's, I think as a team, we've done that this year. You look at a lot of the guys that are coming in their second year who've taken another step in their personal development and as like a development as into a team. And I think that's really shown on the floor this year through our first 10 games. Speaking with goaltender of the Philadelphia Wings, starting goaltender, the best goaltender in the National Lacrosse League stat-wise right now. How does that sound, Zach Higgins? That, <laughs> best goals against, best save percentage in the National Lacrosse League right now. It's pretty uh, – it blows my mind a little bit, and uh, I always kind of just hear it in passing from watching film and everything like that. It, it doesn't feel real in a sense, but – yeah. What I like is that we're seven and three right now, and that's the main goal I like, and uh, I want to keep building on that record. Yeah, well, I mean, and it doesn't, uh, I dare say, get any easier this week. And I know you just went through a real, real grinder with with two tough ones on the row, but now you got uh, the Saskatchewan Rush rolling into town, and and <laughs> that's no easy chore <laughs> on the best of days. I don't know if you watched that game from Halifax uh, over the weekend yet or not either, Zach. I mean that. But tell me about uh, what you're expecting here against Saskatchewan and, and what it's going to take to get past them. Um, just from past experiences and watching a little bit of this year, some games, because they've had some exciting ones that you kind of just like to sit down and watch as a fan of lacrosse. But 
they're a fast team. They like to come out fast. They have a good, well-oiled offense there where they've played together for years now. And going back to junior, a lot of these guys have played together. So they're very familiar with each other. They've built a great system there. And they come out fast. They play fast. They get lots of shots, lots of movement. So I think that's kind of what I'm going to expect this weekend. They're going to be keeping pedal and metal like they always do. And you're going to have to make sure you're ready for the challenge. Now, i got to admit, I bugged you to death for about a season and a half <laughs> with your white mask in Buffalo, right? No paint job. And I remember you even calling me out when you finally got the paint job. You got a pretty sweet helmet. Tell me about it. Who designed it? What the concept uh, you put behind it? Uh, so, yeah, I, don't, I do remember that. It was pretty funny. But it was just like a good timing thing. When I uh, got the helmet done last year with Buffalo, I knew uh, you made a comment to me on Twitter. So I just wanted to give a little... Uh, a little love back, I guess. And, uh, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I knew you were joking, so I knew it was funny. But uh, coming into this year, um, the team hooked me up with uh, the guy who does the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, we had some back and forth. And kind of growing up, I knew my dad was a Flyers fan and a big Ron Hextall fan. So I wanted to do a little bit of uh, some Ron Hextall with the wings coming up the side of the helmet there. And then uh, play it a little bit into my nickname I had in college with Tendy Bear. So I put a I had him put a couple of uh, teddy bears on the helmet as well. And that's just kind of uh, the thought process I had coming into this year. So Yeah, if you want to see it, uh, check out Lacrosse Classified's Instagram. I was trying to find you on the IG, Zachary. Uh, are you, you're not a huge social media guy. Are you on Instagram? You want to give the kids out your handle? Because I couldn't find you. I do not have Instagram. Okay, so I'm not uh, crazy. Yeah. Tendybear35 no, on Twitter, though, correct? Tendybear35. Uh, 31. 31, 31. excuse it. me. Yeah, I switched it this okay. summer to change the number. Obviously. Smart play. Smart play. Yeah. Uh, and it, I want to talk about Philadelphia a little bit here because obviously the history there with the Wings is is massive, right? And, and for the team to go away was really disappointing. To come back and to watch it there and to see Chopper back in the crowd, and, and I, it's so good to see Philadelphia, and they've, they've really – Boughten back into the Philadelphia Wings. What's it like to play in, in front of those fans there in Philadelphia? It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been pretty great so far. Uh, the energy, every every time we come and play at the Wells Fargo Center is always there. The fans are always into it. I remember we were playing Rochester. The fans were going crazy with all the, I guess, all the fighting going on. They were pretty entail, pretty yeah. thrilled with the goal. What's going <laughs> they don't on. hate it, do they? They don't no, hate it. They, they were loving it because we had a big uh, season ticket holder event the weekend after. I think almost everybody talked about all the scraps that were going on the week before. So they were loving it. And just uh, everyone's been really friendly with all the players. And it's just it's pretty it's been great to see how welcoming they've been that we've come back and the support they give. I know we really appreciate it. And them coming out every week, I think, is a good boost. And it just it makes it fun to come to that atmosphere and have some great lacrosse being played. Have you thankful to Coach Day for giving you a shot this year? Talk to us about Coach Day, what kind of style of coaching that he incorporates and what you may have learned from him. Yeah, it's been a great opportunity he's given me this year. And coming in, I never really, I've never met Paul before, but things I've already learned this year, he's, he brings a good calmness to this group. He knows that we have a lot of, maybe some new faces to just even box across as well as to playing in the NLL. And, the calmness he kind of brings week in and week out and the confidence he gives us. I think that's one of the biggest uh, things I've noticed and kind of, it just, it raises the, it raises the group's level of confidence each week and 
it gives a good belief in everyone when we come into the arena of the game plan he set forth for everybody and uh, we go next when we go and execute it it's it feels pretty good and if we're not maybe at the top of our game he he lets us know in a in a professional manner that you can see it and it, you're like oh you come in next week or next half and like okay here we go let's make sure we're executing the way we know how to Last one here for you, Zach Higgins, uh, and it's a little bit in the rearview mirror now, but uh, the World Championships uh, back in September in Langley, I, I was front and center for those. So were you with Team Israel, and you, you've been a guy that, that's been around that Israeli program, the box one anyway, since really the onset of it. How far has that country come as far as box lacrosse goes? And just give me your, your general thoughts and experience uh, in Langley a few months ago. Yeah, it was a pretty great tournament overall. Like I've had a lot of fun being on this team. I've met some great guys and I keep close touch with and whenever we get together, it's been a blast. And I just, I always look forward to these tournaments, getting to see some of the guys again, maybe as we live in different countries and different parts of the world that come together every few years, it's uh, always an exciting time and something I look forward to. And just lacrosse for Israel in general, uh, I remember like just coming in and just kind of, getting an understanding of what's going on and kind of what they're trying to build to and seeing uh, these last eight years of just not even box lacrosse, but field lacrosse over there with them hosting the world's uh, I think it was 2017 or 2018. Yeah. And then uh, just the developmental of all the kids they've been bringing in. And we've had some uh, younger kids that come in and played with us at the Euros and you see it when they go play in the, her, uh, every year that they bring a competitive team and some of the locals that have moved over there have come and played and it's just it's great to see and it's just great to have lacrosse kind of take off worldwide a little bit and hopefully the work the effort that some of the guys on our team have put forth uh, so far just keeps building and building into something that's really special. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, Brad MacArthur, Scott Neese, uh, your boy Crosby there doing yeoman's work with uh, Team Israel, and uh, they'll be front and center once again when when the World Championships rolls around. Hey, man, uh, good luck this weekend. Not too much good luck, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> grab uh, grab yourself a cheese day. Hey, I bet you TendyBear31 is, is an open handle on Instagram. Get yourself an account. Maybe post up your mask on there for your first pick and, and let the kids follow their favorite goaltender. Best in the National Cross League right now, Zach Higgins. Yeah, maybe I'll have to do that then and let you know what the handle is. All right, there it is. Zach Higgins of the Philadelphia Wings. Evan... This guy is playing the best lacrosse of his career right now, and the record shows it for the Philadelphia Wings and in the stats column right now. I mean, Philadelphia's improved from last year on a number of fronts, but let's be honest. At the end of the day, you got to keep the ball out of the net. And they had a problem last year with some inconsistency as to who the starter was going to be. No question about it now. And the reason that they are first place in the division, the number one reason, is Zach Higgins. Number 31, Zach Higgins, Evan. As we got to go to break, good guy, Zach Higgins, one of my faves and a good guy in the league as well. And I'm happy he's fallen into this number one role and is flourishing for the Philadelphia Wings. Let's take a break. On the other side, it's fourth quarter time, and we got who you got week 13 and quick sticks and we'll explain it on the other side this is episode 67 of lax class on lacrosse all-stars podcast network hey this is ryan diltz of the saskatchewan rush 
You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lats All-Stars Podcast Network. Growing the game one podcast at a time. And now it's time for Who You Got. Lacrosse fans, welcome back. Fourth quarter, Jake Elliott, Evan Schemenauer. No more breaks here on Lax Class. It's time, Evan, for Who You Got. Evan, who you got? Jake, who you got? 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 Brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. I think I missed my opening read. My apologies. Uh, But you know, Evan, boots are what happens at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. They have all sorts. Cowboy, Blundstones, work boots, CSA approved, boots that keep you warm, boots that keep you dry. All sorts of boots at Stampede Tech and Western Wear. Shop online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Located out there in Cloverdale. Uh, Evan, we didn't even give the overall records out, uh, which we should probably do. You are now 34 and 32. I am 32 and 24, two games behind you. And on top of that, we have also, I think, uh, come to a conclusion on our Bet, punishment, uh, whatever you want to call it. Whoever wins, who you want to explain this uh, to the listeners here? So in the extremely rare event that I lose, oh, I got to do Week a, six winner, Evan. Week six winner. Okay, but you, you realize that I was – you keep putting that week six we, winner. Week six. When you're doing your punishment, uh, I'll, I'll take week six winner any day. Okay. Um, but here's here's the thing. In the extremely rare event that I lose, I've got to plug put in the karaoke machine, and we'll put out a poll as to which hip hop song I'm going to be putting a video out for. Yeah, and some dancing end, needs to really happen with it, Evan. I think we also agreed some choreography would would happen during this. Uh... Oh God, no, that's, no, that's no, 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 no! It's all in writing. I am useless at dancing. Well, that's useless. that's kind of the point, Evan. This isn't supposed to be fun and easy for you, okay? So hey, you, you you only had to do a song. I'm only doing. No, a song. no, no. That's not what we agreed yeah. to. Uh, I'll check the, the bylaws. It's all in writing. Uh-huh. Anyways, carry on. So <laughs> we'll we'll pick. A, you know, like Ice Ice Baby, or maybe like but, Snow, or remember, I'm thinking maybe like Michael theme. Jackson Thriller would be would be a nice take, something along those lines for when for, for when you lose. Now, if by oh. chance I come in second place, Evan, ninety nine percent chance that you do. Ninety nine, you're putting that percent at, eh? Oh yeah, like let's put it this way. You got lucky in the playoffs uh, last year. That's, that's the one in a hundred event. 99%. Yeah. I'm going to just post that up on my bulletin board in front of me. 99%. Okay. So if uh, if by 1% chance that I don't win, uh, what's what's my deal? What do I got to do? Crunch or something like that. I'm not really familiar with The grouse event. grind is what I will attempt to accomplish, Evan. I have never done the grouse. Now, they say I do what they call the Coquitlam Crunch out here. Apparently, this is about a third about uh, what the grind is. So, it's three times harder than what I've only done before. So, I've never attempted this. I don't think it's going to be all that enjoyable. Maybe I'll try and get like a GoPro or something if, if it comes to that. And uh, I'm going to hike up Grouse Mountain should I happen to lose the, the Who You Got overall. 
battle here. Should win. When uh, is not 99%. Okay, so what do we got here, Evan? Week 13, one, two, three, four, five big games coming up here in week 13. And some coffees. Yes, indeed. I I do have the coin at the ready. Uh, 1-0. The coin so far for me, Evan, Philadelphia beating New England. Thank you very much. Uh, 1987 quarter here. Okay, so game number one. We also got uh, Vasily and Dorena, who is in fifth place overall in the Who You Got standings. Uh, By the way, when you sign up for Who You Got, once you're signed up once, you're going to get an email every single week to sign up again. So you don't have to go find it or search for it. That's the great part. And then you get entered into the overall standings as well, and, and it all all happens automatically for you. Okay, so Toronto starts off the week on the Friday, Evan, as they head for Halifax, that 6 p.m. Eastern start there in Halifax. This is a good-looking matchup to start the week here. Rock at Halifax. Evan, who you got? I was about ready to flip a coin on this one. That is how difficult this is. And which Halifax are you getting? The one that appeared in the first half or the one in the second half? Here's what it comes down to for me. Do I trust Nick Rose or do I trust Warren Hill? I trust Nick Rose. I'm mm-hmm. taking the rock. <laughs> man, oh, man. I said earlier that Toronto was was kind of the team that I had the most trouble betting on uh, early in the year. Now it's Colorado. Like, I can't figure out Colorado. But. We're not talking about Colorado here. We're talking about Toronto at Halifax. I'm taking Halifax. I think this is an opportunity for me to make up a game here right for right now, start the week off on the right note, just as I did last weekend when Saskatchewan beat Halifax. This time, take note, Thunderbird fans, I'm taking you this weekend to get past the Toronto Rock. I don't – I'm not – I'm not super confident, Evan, but I'm taking Halifax. All right, uh, Dorena, who you got? I'm taking Toronto. Okay, Vasily, who you got? It's a hard one. I'm going to take Halifax, too. All right, uh, there you go. Vasily's got Halifax. Dorena, fifth place overall, taking Toronto. That scares me a little bit, not going to lie to you. All right, Vancouver at San Diego. Remember, this was supposed to be... The rumble on the runway, unfortunately, things canceled there due to the coronavirus and them being a bit of a quarantine on the Marine base. Better safe than sorry here. I know the SEALs, the National Cross League, and, and even the Warriors, and, and yours truly, Evan, really disappointed in, in what happened here, but you can understand it for sure, and you don't even question it. Like It, it is what it is. got to do what's right well, for, for mankind. So, unfortunate circumstances, but if I know the Seals and Steve Gavid and, and Josh Gross and all those guys, they're going to find a way to make this up to their fans uh, in, in a special kind of way. I, I can almost take that one to the bank. Anyways, this game will go down at uh, 11.30 Pacific time on a Saturday, Evan. I love it. Warriors at the Seals. Who you got? And, yeah, and the reason this game is so early is that there is an American Hockey League game at the arena that night, so it just wasn't available. 
Pretty simple for me. Vancouver is playing better than San Diego this season. I am going to take the Warriors. I did not expect that. I got to be honest with you. I did not expect that. You got to think San Diego is going to start Nick Damood. For sure. Austin Stotts. The Damood factor. Austin Stotts did not score a goal against the Mammoth. I don't see that happening again. But is that enough? I'm taking the Warriors. I'm taking the Warriors in this one, too. I I kind of – I think this game's going to overtime. That's what I think. And I think the Warriors win it. Did last time. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Brody Merrill just remembered that. Uh, okay. Dorena, who you got? Vancouver. Vasily, who you got? Um, I'm going with Vancouver, too. It's a clean sweep for the Vancouver Warriors against the San Diego Seals. We shall see how it all plays out. All right, into the evening games back east now. We talked to Zach Higgins about it. They're taking on the Saskatchewan Rush coming off that thrilling 16-15 overtime game. Looked really good for three quarters and not so good for that final 15, but they get it done. Now they go take on a really tough Philadelphia Wings team that is playing some real good lacrosse. This might be the toughest pick of the week, Evan. Do you dare pick against your Saskatchewan Rush twice in a row? Who you got? Now think about this. If we would have been picking this game anytime last year, this would have taken all three seconds we would have moved on to the next game. It is not an easy pick. Um, I know who you're picking, mm. and my strategy is I'm not going to lose a game of my lead in this one. I'm going to take the rush. I should throw the biggest curveball at you right now. I can't do it, Evan. You know I can't. I'm taking Saskatchewan as well. I'm so tempted to take Philadelphia just because you did that. I think they could win. I, Saskatchewan is going to have to play – their best lacrosse to win that game on the road. Absolutely. No question, but that Philly D is going to have to hold the, the rush to eight goals or so. Well, and I and I will also say this. Derek Keenan, if anybody knows Jeff McComb, if, if anybody knows where and how to score on Zach Higgins, it's those two. Because they coached him in his entire junior career. So they know Zach Higgins. Okay, Dorena, who you got? The rush. Vasily, who you got? It's a tough one. I'm going with my rush. All right. Another clean sweep here. Predictable, I might add, uh, from the Schemenauer clan there in Saskatoon. Rochester at New England. Evan, who you got? Pretty simple one here. I think New England finally gets back on track. Agreed. Let's move along. New England, I'm taking them as well. Rochester could surprise Evan, but I mean – it hasn't been there yet. Let's is Hartley going to start this game for Rochester? He has. Well, it's either him or Wendy, but I, I, I would give Hartley a chance at this stage. You know, it, it's kind of a lost season. You know, they're not going to make the playoffs, so give the youngster a shot. Give him yeah. some experience. Yeah, I, I still, I don't know if. I mean, they. What I think they need to do is decide on two. Like the, the enough with the three. The three never works, right? Three active goaltend. Figure it out and and make your decision. And then I think it's important there for, for Mike Hazen and company to 
assign a number one and give him a stretch of games instead of going, here's your shot. Okay, that here's your shot. Okay, you know what? Now it's your turn. I think they need to make some decisions there and, and then put their faith in a guy and, and let him run. Whether that's Fryer, Wendy, Hartley, I don't know, but uh, that's my opinion on it. Uh, okay, so we're both taking New England, Evan. Dorena, who you got? New England. Vasily, who you got? I'd say the offense will be good. I'm taking New England. Okay, another clean sweep. Everybody taking the Black Wolves. Final game of the weekend here, and it's a juicy affair as well, Evan. This, you think it's a pretty easy pick. I'm not so sure here, but Calgary making the trip down south to take on the Swarm. Who you got? Now, the trick to this one is Dane Doby's back, but keep in mind, no Tyler Pace, and they're flying a heck of a distance to get there. I don't like taking a Western team in Georgia, so I'm taking the Swarm. Taking the Swarm. Taking the Swarm. Dwayne hasn't made an appearance yet. Dorena, who you got? I got Calgary. Fifth place overall, Dorena taking Calgary. Vasily, who you got? Pretty tough one. I'm changing my mind. I'm going with Georgia. Whoa. So you changed your mind, which you're allowed to do, but you were leaning towards the Roughnecks. But your dad convinced you to take the Swarm instead. Is that is that what just happened there? No. Nope. You're just picking against your sister? Is that what's happening? Tried to challenge <laughs> Evan's taking Georgia. Coin is 1-0. Coin is 1-0. What did I just do with my coin now, Evan? I lost my coin. I lost the coin, Evan! I got to I gotta find the coin. Hang on. All right. The coin has been located. The coin is 1-0. I really don't know who to pick in this game, so I'm going to flip the coin. Heads is always the home team. And Tails never fails. Give me the Calgary Roughnecks 7. I'm taking the Riggers. Well, a four-game lead coming my way. I like uh, that. Yeah, that's what you said a six-game lead was going to be uh, last week. And, and what happened, Evan? Who did better last overtime, week, Evan? Who did better last week, Evan? Uh, Answer the last, question, last Evan. Yeah. Thank you. Four and two. You went three and three. The lead is two. We got two You're different picks lied. out of these five games for week You're thirteen. You've been for nine weeks now. Moving along, it's time for quick sticks here on Lacrosse Classified. Now we used to call this segment news and notes, but we're changing it to quick sticks, Evan, because well, for one, it's a lacrosse show. The quick stick. I, I, these are kind of supposed to be like little anecdotes, quick delivery, move along. Uh, this is something that we, myself and, and Brad Challoner, actually used to use way back when on Stealth Classified. Uh, it was a little different, had a different meaning back then. But I thought news and notes just, I don't know, it sounded kind of boring to me. And uh, I wanted to give it a lacrosse theme. So we're changing news and notes here in the fourth quarter. will ever, for now, be known as quick sticks. What do you think? The Ben McIntosh special, huh? 
Well, he's he's one of the best at it, uh, for sure. But I'm not going to call it the Ben McIntosh segment. I'm calling it Quick Sticks. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, it works for me. Okay. Well, it was, it's going to work whether you it worked for you or not. Just so you know. Okay, so uh, we talked. Well, we just talked about Rumble on the Runway being canceled, which I wasn't uh, all that looking forward to uh, having to. I was really looking forward to watching it happen. I wasn't looking forward to telling people about it, but that's... Uh, I'm that's, sure it'll happen next year. Let's hope so, man. Let's hope so, because I think that, like, it'd be the coolest game of the year. Easily. Yeah, and, and the unfortunate thing is there's a plane that just landed there with 300 Americans in quarantine. There was no way this was happening. Yeah, so better safe than sorry, no question about it. I don't have a a whole lot of quick sticks this week, Evan. Uh, Milestones, we get the milestones sent to us each and every week uh, from a guy named Rob Benson at the National Lacrosse League. Uh, This is a new thing that I absolutely love. Except that there's so many of them, you sometimes lose track of them all. Yeah, and And, and that's probably the case right now. Uh, let's see. I, I'm just going to scan this here quickly. We got these prior to week 12. I think Dylan Ward got his 50th win, right? Uh, that happened. He's two saves shy of 4,000 now. Uh, Ed Camo is looking to pass Troy Cordenley with his next win. Uh, Mikey Poulin will surely pass Chugger. Steve Dietrich uh, on the all-time list for sixth. Ryan Banesh put up a 10 spot for Halifax. I think this needs one more goal to pass Josh Sanderson now, and I think he got 600 assists in his career. So those are probably the biggest ones of last week, and and we'll get another email about the ones to watch in Week 13. So we'll kind of keep you apprised of milestones as we move along throughout uh, the year here on Lax Class as well. Sound like a good idea? For sure. And let's keep it down to those career milestones or – you know, yeah, like I don't want to do, I don't want to, I mean, no disrespect, but I don't really want to do like loose balls or even like penalty minutes or I, like I'm talking the big ones. Like we'll keep track of the big ones. Yeah. I mean, if it's a loose ball record or something like that. Then yeah. Yeah. I'm not, not discounting loose balls win games, Evan. I'm not discounting, the, but they, it goes like the, the email goes on and on and on about some ones that are probably unreachable in, in the year and, and just some kind of weird ones, but anyways, uh, we'll, we'll keep track. And they're low, like eight Mitch Jones. Here's a good one. Needs eight assists to reach 200. Tons of guys have reached 200 assists in the national cross league. So we're, you know, we're going to talk about Dan Dawson hitting 900. We're going to talk about Ryan Banesh hitting sixth all time, but we're not going to really talk about Mitch Jones hitting 200. No disrespect to, to Mitch Jones. Makes sense to me. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about mid-season awards. You want to run these down quickly? Well, let's let's discuss them. Let's discuss the big ones. Okay, let's start goaltender of the year halfway through. Who you got there? Zach Higgins. Yeah, got to be. Um, defensive player of the year. Ryan Delks. I got the cyborg. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's in the – I mean, you can't go wrong – voting for Hasek. But yeah. I think what Dilks has been able to do since coming back after a year, leading the league and cause turnovers, the guy, he's a weapon, man. And and he's won before as well. Let's not forget about that. But I think that those are your top two right now for sure, Hasek and Dilks. Gay transition player of the year. 
This is always a, a tricky one because guys like Matisse and Rogers get classified as, as transition guys. So give me Challen Rogers. This is tougher. This is always the tough one. Here's a few names to throw out there. You guys actually throw Graham Hossick in there. Yeah. Um, and Mike Messenger. Can you? Yeah, Mike. Can I'm I'm going with the hammer for Mike Messenger. Yeah, Mike Messenger is who I got and had written down. Uh, Coach of the year. Here's a question: Can you can you win both transition player and defensive player of the year? I don't think you can. I don't see why not. Well, I don't think you can. Like you're one why or not? the other, and if you. Well. And then, so if you the, dominate both that much, why not? I just don't think it'll happen. I just don't think they'll let that happen. I think you get class that you're in one category or the other. You're not eligible to win both. Okay. I don't so know. Coach of the year. Coach of the Who year. Well, Coach Day's got to be in the conversation right now. I think Coach Akersey has to be in the conversation right now. Uh, I think Chris Gill has to be in the conversation right now. I will go with Paul Day. Yeah, it, it's. I think. Him and a I think I'll, I'll take Paul Day just because of how unbelievable this team has improved over the last year. Sawyer, it, Sawyer's got to be in the conversation. Tavares, like it's too early for coach. Okay, MVP. <sighs> MVP. Well, there's another award Hasek could win. He could. I think Cody Jamison's in that conversation. I think Rob Hellier's in that conversation. I think Challen Rogers is in that conversation. I, Lyle Thompson's. I guess this is why I don't like doing mid-season awards, Evan. It's, it's too well, early. Let me tell you mine, and maybe then you can think about it because mine isn't any of those. Okay, Mitch Jones. Yeah, yeah, he's in the conversation. Like event, there's no way Vancouver is where they are it's, without Mitch Jones. Yeah, it's it's that he's had to put this team on his back that much. Yeah, just like we talked last year, so how much Dean Dobie had to put that team on his back. Same exact thing. Mm. I can tell you, he's not in the conversation right now, Evan, for for MVP Dean Dobie. See where I see where I did what I did there. Yeah, so who you got? Sometime I, I, I honestly question whether you get my jokes. Dane Doby not in the conversation for MVP. Oh, I know. I know. It's just a kind of a – it's old news. It's going to pass on. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, what, did, what did you just ask me? You got Mitch Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not taking Mitch Jones. I am uh, – it's too early. I'm going to cop out on MVP and say it's too early to pick an MVP. All right. Cop out. Yeah. Come on. The sick one. Well, then then it's Hasek for me. Like, I think he's that important to his team, everything that he brings to the table. And, yeah. and to add and to here, it, and here's a, okay. to add to it, here. to add to it, Evan, I'd like to see a D guy win MVP. Right. And, you know, here's two other names you can throw in that conversation. Zach Higgins and Dylan Ward. Sure. Again, Evan, it's too early to narrow it down to just three guys. That's why I don't like doing midseason awards. That was your idea. I played along. I didn't like it. And now it's done, and so is the podcast. Thanks to Rob Hellyer and Zach Higgins for coming on the program. You, of course, the loyal listener, for checking out Lacrosse Classified every single Tuesday here via the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. 
Don't forget, sign up for who you got. It'll be the pinned tweet on our Twitter feed at Lax Class every single week. I'm encouraging Evan to get it up as soon as possible so it comes out with the release of the show. He's a busy man, so give him a break. It'll be up as soon as it can be. Uh, Instagram, at Lacrosse Classified. Evan is at Shem Lax. I am at PXP for Sports. Subscribe to the podcast, people. Just hit that subscribe button, and then it's done. It gets delivered to your phone, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's automatic, and that's the best thing ever. To our great sponsors, of course, the NLL Vancouver Warriors, to Associated Labels and Packaging, G. Wilson Construction, and Stampede Tack and Western Wear for their continued support of the podcast. Couldn't do it without you. Make sure you are supporting our great sponsors. Episode 67 is now over. For Evan Sheminara, Ben J. Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, enjoy the games, everybody. <laughs>